This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with a Yankee legend, three-time All-Star and a two-time World Series champion in 1978. He was the World Series MVP. Hit one of the biggest home runs in Yankee history, and I'm excited. He's sitting down with the Boone Podcast. Welcome, Bucky Dent. Bucky, thanks for coming on the program. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Love to talk baseball. Okay, I've got to clear something up. I when I when I finished playing, I did a beef jerky commercial. When I was playing, I had a buddy, John Ashton, who plays Taggart in uh, Beverly Hills Cops. I was in San Diego, and they wanted him and the whole production crew. They were filming a movie, and uh, I said, they, the producer came up, and he asked if he could get 12 tickets for everybody. And I said, wait a minute. I said, what am I going to get for that? I want to part in your movie. So, And I said, and I have to have a star on my trailer when I show up. I did the whole thing. I played a cop. I, I was a fish out of water. It was the weirdest thing I've ever done, but it was fun. I think the movie went went straight to video. Okay. Pinup poster I want to know about. The Playgirl shot in the uh in the bathing suit. And you were also you were also the love interest on a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader movie. Give me those three. Well, the first one I did was the um 78 uh i did the uh after the world series i did the uh dallas cowboy cheerleader movie and i was the same way like you fish out of water you know but uh it was fun i learned a lot about you know different things because i used to like to go and watch you know i used to like to you know watch the the people shooting scenes and stuff stuff like that but uh the poster came about after i got back um they wanted me to do a poster and i went to the stadium that day and there was Actually, they had taken all our uniforms out. And I only had shorts and a cutoff shirt. And uh, it was about 30 degrees. So, so I had my sweatsuit on. So we walked out. And um, I said, okay, let's go. And just took it off and just started holding the bat, doing some different things. And uh, they wound up picking the one picture that uh, wound up uh, becoming the poster. But uh, I think it sold like 100000 in the first month. But the guy that owned the rights to it passed away. So it kind of got caught in limbo. So they only wound up selling like a hundred thousand of them. But uh, yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. You played for 
you know, I played against him for a long time. Never played for the Yankees. I always, I always thought in the back of my mind, you know, at the end of my career, because I always loved, I love New York. There was nothing like it. Um, and I always just kind of watch you guys from afar. You know, we played in different, different eras, but, but um, I played for a real eccentric owner in the mid nineties, Marge shot with the Cincinnati Reds. And it was, there's so many stories. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but you played for, for the boss Steinbrenner. Just want to know a little bit about him as a, as a, let me just tell you, as an opposing player, we would look at the New York Yankees and Steinbrenner and you never know what he's going to do next. And, and uh, you know, say some outrageous things as a player that played for a lot of different owners, some that wanted to win some that didn't really care. And we're basically there to count up the rubles and make sure we're all right at the end. As a player, and I don't know whether you agree with me or not, all we care about when we're in that, for a small time in our life, when we're in that room together downstairs, all we care about is winning. So I always used to sit there for the critics of Steinbrenner and say, well, I'll tell you what, as a player, I know at the end of the day, he wants to win as much as anybody out there, and he's going to do it. He's going to go to great lengths to do it. Now, what comes with that is, pretty critical owner if you're not playing well you might be uh, on the cover of the sports page with your owner blasting you as a player i didn't care i would take that in return for i know going into each and every year the the, the big boy the guy upstairs has got my back and all he cares about is winning and i can deal with all the all the sideshow give me a little bit about george steinbrenner you played for him you managed under him Loved you got it. hired, you got fired. I got hired, like everybody got fired, does. You know, uh, I loved playing for him. Like you said, he wanted to win. And I think, you know, when you go over there, I got traded over in 77. I had met him in 73 when I was playing with the White Sox. Uh, I was a rookie. I went to a Bulls basketball game. Never been to a basketball game before. And uh, sitting there, and uh, these four guys walk up in front of me, and they sit down, and the guy sitting next to me, my buddy goes, you know who that is? And I go, no. He goes, that's the owner of the New York Yankees. He's suspended right now. You want to meet him? I said, sure. So I tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around. I said, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner, I'm shortstop for the White Sox, Bucky Denton. He goes, I've been trying to get you, kid. And I started smiling because the Yankees were my team. But as far as an owner, when I got traded over there, I think anybody that goes to New York when he was the owner understood the bottom line was it was to win. And like you said, he was going to call you out if you weren't playing well or if you weren't, you know, doing the things that he wanted you to do. Uh, you know, he was very uh, passionate about the Yankees. You wore your uniform right. You cut your hair. You know, he had rules that he wanted you to go by. But as far as winning, he was going to do everything possible to put a team on the field that was going to win. And uh, and he did, you know, in uh, uh, 76, they lost, you know, uh, to the big red machine. Then I came in over there in 77. Reggie came over in 77. And, um, you know, we won his first championship in 77. Then we went on to win in 78. But, you know, he was a guy that, you know, you knew the ground rules when you played there. You know, I knew when I took over to manage when I came up from AAA that the bottom line was was to win. You know, the only one thing that when I took the team, I told him, I said, this team is not very good right now. And we're we're light in the minor league because I was a triple A manager. It's going to take time. But he does. He does. He didn't have patience, you know, so um, I wound up getting fired like everybody else. But I love playing for him. Um, he, he was passionate. He, he was going to do everything possible to make you winners. And um, and that's what he did. 
and and I and he he loved his players. Um, you know, even when I retired and left and came back and managed and uh, in the minor leagues for him and stuff like that, he took care of his players. He he loved his players, and uh, uh, I, I got nothing but respect for the guy. I, I love playing for him. Now, guy that that was a big part of uh, my life and and my career, and and uh, you know, I always guys that come on the show all the time. There's always a, a story. Uh, was Lou Pinella. I played for him in Seattle, and to this day, one of one of the fa- one of my favorite men in all 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 the game. You know, I came up uh, early in my career. I got a chance to play for Lou, and we we couldn't be farther apart. <laughs> I mean, we're going to fisticuffs. And the second time around with Lou, I was a veteran player. Uh, it was a different story, and it, it just. I love Lou. He's the best. I haven't had too many people, though. A lot of my colleagues, a lot of my peers, a lot of my teammates played for Lou, played against Lou as a manager. But I haven't had too many uh, recounts of of as a teammate. Lou is a player. Lou is a player. I tell you what, very smart, outstanding hitter. You know, he he loved the game. Um, He was really a lot better outfielder than people give him credit for You know, he didn't run very fast, but he was a really good base runner. He uh, got great jumps on, on balls in the outfield. He was uh, a guy that would make you laugh because of the things that he would scream at the pitchers. And uh, he was a fiery competitor and that's the way he played. Uh, he, um, when he managed, I think he managed a lot like Billy Martin. I mean, he, he was a, he just didn't like to lose. Uh, he was a tremendous competitor and a great teammate, and I love him. And when we get together at Old Timers Day or whenever we get around and he starts telling stories, he is hilarious. I'm telling you what, he's got some of the funniest stories uh, that I've ever heard. But a great there's player. A, there's only one Lou. There's, there's only, only one. one Lou. <laughs> there's you know, only I, one. I, remember, I remember when we were playing you guys, and uh, he, he just would make me chuckle. You know, I'm coaching with Texas. and Yeah, 01. 01 was. Last year with Texas, yeah. Yeah, we're going in, in, in 96. 96, we're going for the pennant. We're playing you guys the last week of the season. And we go in there, and I think we had maybe a one or two game lead. And uh, the first night, we're playing, and the pitcher got in trouble in the first inning, and he ran. He sent two guys down to start warming up. You know, it's almost like he had two guys warming up every inning, you know, for that for that game. And so the next day I walked over to him and I said, you know, I said, Hey, I said, you had that bullpen going pretty quick last night. And he goes, let me tell you something. If I had 10 mounds, I would have had 10 pitchers warming up down there, <laughs> you know, but that's the way he was, you know, I mean, he just didn't like to lose. And uh, he, he was a, just a fiery competitor and I love playing with him. He, he, he was the best. I mean, he just, he, I'll tell you this, this is what I found out. I cracked him finally. The bottom line is if if Lou respects you as a player yep. and he respects you as a man, he will take a bullet for you. If he doesn't, man, I, and I've seen some teammates of mine and I've seen certain personalities throughout the years that he's dealt with. If he doesn't respect you in both <laughs> in oh, both yeah. categories, it might be a long year for you and, and you're not going to be around very long. That's how Lou was. And and. You know, I tried to explain to new guys coming in. This is this is what you got with Skip, right? And uh, you know, some guys were were his cup of tea, some weren't. You know, I saw a lot of young players 
uh, he got rid of because because of that. You know, he didn't he didn't want any part of him. But uh, yeah, Lou, awesome. Quick yeah. rapid fire, and I want to get into to your career and and uh, your travels. Just some of your teammates, because I'm a kid in the '70s. You know, my dad's playing for the Phillies, and right. and some of my fondest memories to this to this day. You know, obviously, I have a lot as a player, and we always, you know, the time we played is always the best. But I'll tell you, a lot, still, a lot of my fondest memories are going to the ballpark as a little kid, watching the the, the teams of the '70s. It was a different for me. It was a golden era of baseball. I mean, probably because it was my childhood, but I just loved it, and. Uh, you over in in New York, you had some some unbelievable guys. Uh, we have we've had Reggie on the on the on the podcast, and he went on and on as only Reggie can do. But I just wanted to talk about a few guys. I got a I got a story for you about Billy, and and the only time I ever met Billy Martin, and it's it's pretty funny. But just a quick rapid fire: Thurman Munson, great, great, tough player. Uh, love playing with him. I, I love playing with all the guys that I played with in New York. I mean, they were just baseball players. And Thurman was a, a, a great leader, a great captain. He was a, he was a guy that could uh, sarcastically say something to you that would like catch you off guard, you know, but, and it would anger you, but it, you knew what he was doing, you know, like he would walk up to you and if you were struggling a little bit, you know, around the batting cage and look at you and go, are you trying? You know, I mean, just say things to you and uh, break the ice. But uh, love playing with, played hurt, tough, tough as nails. One of the toughest guys I ever played with. But uh, he he was a great guy. I loved him. Ron Guidry. Oh, Gator's my man. You know, uh, I sting. I talked to him quite a bit. But uh, probably uh, uh, one of the greatest years I've ever seen a pitcher in 1978. He was just electric, just dominant, and. Uh, uh, a great guy and, um, you know, one of the, the best lefties that I played with. Reggie. Reggie, I love Reggie. You know, Reggie and I got along real well because he actually got traded. You know, he came over and went to spring training in 77. I got traded the last day of spring training, so I came over. And um, we both were kind of like in the same boat. You know, Billy didn't care for him, and for some reason Billy didn't care for me either, you know. So we were we got along really, really well. He's a guy that – um, look, he's a big, he was a big game player. Um, Reggie was, has always been Reggie, but again, I, I love playing with Reggie, you know, I mean, uh, uh, just, you know, enjoy playing with him. And Billy Martin. I mean, I've had, uh, I, I, and I'll tell you quick, I, I was in Anaheim. This is, uh, when my dad was with the angels and I worked in the visiting clubhouse and the Yankees came to town. I was like the ball boy down a right field line. So I was kind of there, you know, how the clubhouse kids are, we're kind of at your disposal as players and players would have me run errands for them. I'm, you know, I'm in the back doing laundry. Billy Martin has no idea that my dad's catching for the angels just thinks I'm a clubhouse kid, which I kind of liked it. That, that was the way I wanted to be treated. He said, Hey kid, come here. I said, all right. I'm like 15. Mm-hmm. Says, I need you to go upstairs to level three, ask for just for argument's sake, I'll say Julie, Tell her Billy needs his vodka. <laughs> Billy Martin's town, what, whatever. I, I just want a tip, you know. Right. <clears throat> I run up there, I get it done. I come back. You can give him his vodka. Everything's. I tell dad the story on the way home from the ballpark that night. And dad ain't having it. He goes, 
you're going to tell it, Billy Martin's not going to have my 15 year old son running booze for him all over next day. Here comes my dad. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to get fired <laughs> big, you know, not, not, not a fighter at dust but dad gets in his face and don't you ever, t-, you know, and Billy's like, I didn't know that was your son, Bob. And this and that, I thought he just works here, yeah. which, you know, if, if, when we go as players, we go somewhere, we don't sit there and calculate, Hey, can I see your ID? So I can ask you to go get, get me something that you need right. to be over 21. I don't really think it was Billy's fault. Just how kind of my dad was that straight arrow, just do it by the book. And yeah, that was, that was my funny story about Billy Martin, but just, just anything on Billy quick line on Billy. Well, Billy, you know, look, Billy was a, was a good manager, you know, um, uh, a lot of guys liked playing for him. I, played against him, you know, was with the White Sox. And then I was excited to go over there and play for him. But for some reason, um, he didn't really care for me or, or Reggie. Uh, when Goose came over, I don't think he cared for Goose either. Uh, but um, he was a guy that was a good game manager, but I didn't get along with him. My One of the favorite guys that I played for with the Yankees was Dick Hauser. Loved playing for Dick. Dick was a – you know, a guy that was a, a good baseball guy, he let you play, you know, and he didn't, uh, he, if he had something to say to you, he'd come up and say to you, and he had a sarcasm way of saying it to you, but you got it. And I really enjoyed playing for him, but Billy was not one of my favorite managers I played for. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Young Bucky Dent, uh... Grew up in Miami. I think you're a sixth overall pick in the, in the draft, in the major league draft, uh, with the White Sox. Played the White Sox 73 to 76. Uh, you're an all-star in 1975. And as you mentioned earlier, Steinbrenner was said he was trying to get you. They make the trade. You go to the Yankees. You go from Chicago White Sox. And at the time, I don't know how much was going on there. Uh, but you go, still a big city. You're in the city of Chicago. But there's nothing like playing in new york uh how was the change for you uh the expectations like you said george steinbrenner expecting to win every year something i i always loved about the yankees still love and and still think the world respects uh the yankees is they do ex- they they don't rebuild in new york it's every year you better win um how was that change for you early in your career well, it was it was easy because, like you said, you know, I played Chicago. I'm from I went from a big city to a big city. I went from a team that you know we lost close to 100 games or 100 games in '76, and um, you know I went from the owner of Bill Vec to the owner of George Steinbrenner. 
Um, always wanted to be a Yankee. Growing up as a kid, loved, you know, loved the Yankees. Mickey Mantle was my hero. So um, I, I was just like overwhelmed with being traded to go to New York. I loved the Yankees and I wanted to play there. So I was like really, really excited about going over and playing, playing for the Yankees. So um, it was, it was uh, one of the best days of my life when I got traded over there because I loved them. 77 and 78 it's the more you get into it it was it's it's a repeat but it's not a repeat i mean you're going through the same channels to get to the world series and you and you got the same same national league team at the world series two years in a row you go through that royals team who who uh i ended up seeing up close in 1980 dad dad's phillies and the royals hook up that's when i really got to see the Royals because back then uh you know there was no winter league play so you didn't you didn't really see the other league. Whatever league you followed, you kind of followed that league, and you didn't see the other league. Um, first off, how good were those Royals teams that you beat in '77 and '78? They they were really good. They they had speed. They had power. You know they they could run. They uh, they played good defense. They had a good manager. So they were a, a good team, uh, a really really good team. And and what you said was very interesting. Is a is it was American League and the National League back then, you know, and there was always that, you know, that mystique about, you know, I played in the American League my whole career until I got uh, a coaching job with the Cardinals in uh, 1991. I didn't really see how the National League game was played that much because playing American League, you know, they got the DH, you don't see all the strategy. So I thought, you know, going over there then was fascinating, but you know, going back to the Royals, they were really, really good. And those two teams, you know, there's a lot of teams that didn't like each other. And one of those teams was the Royals. The Yankees and the Royals didn't really like each other. It was the same thing um, as the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know. So um, it was always a battle with them. And, and they had good teams. And, uh, you know, those games always went down to the end, you know, and uh, – uh, but you know, the, the Yankees, they, for some reason they had a mindset, you know, that they just were not going to get beat. They were not going to beat you. You know, we had guys that had been in the world series, Reggie, Catfish, Don Gullett. Um, you know, we had some guys that had been through it, so they know what to expect. They got beaten 76. So now 77, you know, was supposed to be the year we did it all. And, you know, it was that year we did, we come, you know, we won and uh, we were expected to win. George put a big expectation, but 77 was a year also that we went through an awful lot of turmoil, you know, um, the son of Sam, you know, all the other stuff that was yeah. going taking place. But the one thing about the Yankee teams that, that I played on when they went between the lines, nothing affected them. There was one thing they were going to beat you and, that's the way they play. You know, going back to those and, and today for what I do and, and on this side of the media and breaking down the game, then the game now, I, I found that it, it's never been, of course it's important. I, I don't, I don't want to mislead by saying it, but it's never been a less important than 162 games as it is now, because there's more playoff spots than there's ever been. Back when you were doing this, it, there were two spots, man. <laughs> there were two spots in each league. 
And so you're fighting that 162 is obviously at a premium back then. I talk about teams today and I'm thinking, well, as long as you can just hold serve and survive through the dog days of summer and you get that team lined up the way you want it to be and you're a good team and finish strong, you're going to have a playoff spot. Because nowadays that's what's what it's all about. It's Well, it's obviously nice to have home field advantage, this and that. But I think what's proving in modern times is the teams that kind of sneak in, get in last, I think the Phillies of a year ago, uh, they grabbed that wild card spot. Next thing you know, they're two games away from winning the World Series. And they're and teams like the Dodgers of a year ago win 111 games, clearly the best team in baseball, and they get knocked out by the San Diego Padres because they kind of just coasted. You know, I played on a team like that where start to finish, there was nobody ever even close to us, and we get to playoff time. Next thing you know, we're going home. Do you like the I, – I think from a fan standpoint, and I try to break it down from both, as a player standpoint and as a fan standpoint, fan, it's very exciting. You keep many more cities in, in – uh, you know, are in the in the hunt late in the year. Obviously, that's why they do it. It's kind of an NBA format. But once you get to the postseason, man, that's a that's a you got a lot of landmines to go through. You got to win four series to win the World Series. Playing in both, uh, playing in that generation, uh, coaching, managing in a in a a more recent generation. Which do you prefer, the long format uh, and the big? you know, a lot of playoff spots or, or the way you, when you played the way it was, where you got to fight for that one spot. I like the way the, when I played, because you had to win, you know, it came down like in 78, it came down to the last day of the season. We tie with the Red Sox. So you go and you play a one game playoff, which the whole, whole world is watching because it's one game. It's New York, it's Boston. And that's the most pressure game I ever played in, in my whole career. Um, you know, yeah, uh, you know, they're adding more teams because of money. They're trying to keep cities, but I don't like it when, with the fact that a team can try and win the division all year long. And then you got a fifth place team, like you said, that sneaks in because they get into a wild card and they knock that team off because, you know, they get hot. And I, I just don't think that that's right. You know, if you want to have, Two teams, the top two teams and a wild card like they had a few years ago, that's different, you know. But I can't even imagine back when we when we were playing, you know, like in 77 or 78, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, we won 100, they won 99. Baltimore was always good. So now you take them and you take Kansas City and then, you you know, you take all those teams and you put them in a round robin, you never know what's going to happen. So that – you know, winning division was was so important. And, you know, to go through the division playing with those against those teams and you finally win the division, you go, man. But now, you know, I mean, teams are just scuffling just to get in the playoffs. And I, I just think it it's diminished the, the winning of the division because, you know, who, who really cares as long as you get in? Like you said, who who really cares? And I think that's taken away a, a little bit. But you know, the fans want it, and that's what they ask for. But as far as what I would like, I, I liked it the way it was where, you know, when we played. 77, you beat a good Dodgers team uh, when your first World Series. 78, uh, expectations in spring training? Oh, yeah. 
high expectations. Do it again. You better do it again. Better do it again. George says, you know, that's last year. Let's go. We, you know, we need to do it again. But like you said, you know, the Dodgers were really, really good baseball team. Uh, the Phillies, you know, in 1980, we won 103 games and got beat in the playoffs by Kansas City. And, you know, then they, Dick Hauser wound up getting fired after he won 103 games. But, you know, you know, you're talking about in, in the 70s and 80s, the Dodgers, the Royals, the Red Sox, the Baltimore Orioles, you know, the Phillies. I mean, we were dreaming of the matchup in 1980 of playing against the Phillies in the playoffs. You know, it would have been really special because I was a fan of a lot of those guys that played on that team, you know, so it would have been a really interesting playoff. But, uh, you know, we wound up getting beat. We got knocked out. Kansas City finally beat us. It was an interesting year in 1978, the way it ended, the way it ended with that one game playoff. And I went back and watched it before before you came on that on the show. You foul. All right. So we let me set it up. So we finished the, the Yankees and the Red Sox finishing a tie. We got that one game playoff. You're at Fenway Park and it's your at bat. That kind of changed things Is that at that time. They had never they still had never won. You know, oh four, they end up winning a little bit different now uh, in 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 Boston. But back then it was and, you know, you lived the rivalry, you know, better than anybody how much animosity there was between the two cities. And for me as a player, I think it's awesome because it, it's the most. I don't know. Everybody just cares so much about it. And as an athlete, uh, I don't think you could pick a, a better scenario. But. It's the seventh inning. You come to the dish. You foul one off your foot. And I mean, that it seemed I'm watching the video. I'm going, I forgot about him fouling the ball off. I mean, it's like it's like it, it seemed like it was a half hour in between pitches. You got the trader out. And I'm sure he's got that that freezer spray that we spray mm -hmm. on it just to get through the A.B. Take me through that A.B. Well, what had happened, you know, is um, I had fouled the ball off in spring training and I got a big blood clot just below my kneecap. And they wound up having to cut it out. So actually, if I would have patented the shin guard that I was wearing, I would have been a skillionaire today. But um, I had a bootleg shin guard. I took a little league shin guard and I cut it off and I wore a foam pad over because it didn't go up high enough. I put it over where I had the blood clot. But one game playoff, I said, I'm not going to wear it today. Heck with it. Forget it. You know, I'm just going to play without it. And um, so when I came up the bat, I fouled a ball off my leg and I was like, oh my God, we only had 24 players that day. Randolph was hurt. So I knew I had to play because he had just pinch hit for Brian Doyle. And um, I said, I, I got to play. So I'm in the on deck circle. They're spraying it. Mike Torres didn't throw any warm up pitches the whole time that I was back. He was just standing there. He thought it wasn't going to take as much time. So what happened was, as I was walking back to the plate, Mickey Rivers goes, hey, homie, you got the wrong bat. That one's cracked. Now, I really wasn't paying attention to him. He gave the bat boy, and the bat boy came up to me, gave me the bat. Um, so when I got back in the batter's box, Mike hadn't thrown any warm-up pitches, and he had been trying to run that sinker in on me all day and throw sliders away. So when I got back in the box, I thought maybe he'd try and run a ball back in on me, and he did, and he, he missed his location. He got a ball down and in that was a pretty good low ball hitter so um i golfed it but i didn't know if it was going to go out i didn't know if it was going to get over the fence if it was high enough but uh i 
started running hard to try and get the second. And when I rounded first, I saw they had signaled for a home run and I saw Ostrimsky's knee, knees buckled at the wall. So I knew uh, it had gone out, but I didn't know it was a home run until I rounded first base. But, you know, you're talking about the Red Sox Yankees. Back then, you know, the games, the rivalries, each game was like intense. You know, those teams did not like each other. And when I came over in 77, my first series against Boston, I experienced it. What, you know, they had been talking about. You could feel the electricity. You could feel the, you know, those teams fought each other. You know, Munson didn't like, you know, Fisk. Pinella hated everybody, you know. <laughs> Greg Nettles, you know, broke Bill Lee's shoulder a few years ago in a big fight. So the 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 tension, and then of course the city of Boston never win, and Yankees always winning. There was always that electricity in the air in the crowds, and um, you know they used to throw batteries and all kind of stuff. Uh, Mickey Rivers used to wear a hard hat in center field because they'd throw batteries at him in center field. Uh, so it, it was just, but it was fun. You could feel it, but it was fun. It is amazing because that's still, too, where it's like the Red Sox finally think we got them. We're going to beat them. You break their heart. Uh, you hit the, th the three-run homer to take the lead. You end up winning the game. Go on as a repeat. You beat Kansas City, a good team. You beat a great Dodger team. The Dodger teams of, 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 of that time uh, were kind of epic teams. Uh, you go on to beat them. You go on to be the MVP of the World Series that year, 1978. And I wrote it down. I think you, you hit over 400 and you drove in seven runs in that series. Um, first, I want to ask you, was was any difference between the two, 77, 78? Obviously, when you, when you have a great series, you get, you're getting the hardware. Maybe that adds a, something a little bit special. But team-wise, was there a difference from 77 to 78? Were they equally as sweet? They they were basically we're playing the same team and we had pretty much the same team. Um, it, we started out, you know, we lost the first two games in in L.A. Um, and I'll never forget we're on the flight back, you know, and Thurman's joking around and this and that. And he goes, look, they didn't pick us to win the division. They didn't pick us to beat Boston in one game playoffs. They didn't big pick us to beat Kansas City. So we lost the first two. Gidry's pitching Friday night. He's going to beat him. We're going to go on and win this World Series. And that's what happened. Gidry uh, pitched Friday night, and Nettles put on a display at third base. I mean, defensive display. He made some unbelievable great plays. And we wound up beating him. And then Reggie, you know, if you remember, he threw his hip out in one game and let the ball yeah. hit him. Yeah. And it caused First a bunch base. of chaos, you know. Well, we went on to – to beat them four straight after that, you know, we beat them three at home, went back to LA and, and beat them the final game. But, you know, I thought, you know, I was really surprised that, that I won the most valuable player. I mean, I was elated. It was something that was, you know, pretty special to me, but I thought Brian Doyle had a great series. Munson had a great series. Nettles had a great series. So any one of those guys could have won it, you know? So, um, but as far as the games, you just don't forget those games. You look back on them and, and you look and you see the, you know, the great Dodger teams that, uh, that they had. And of course, then in 1981, I missed the 81 world series cause I was hurt, but you know, they wound up coming back and beating us. We won the first two in LA and they wound up, you know, beating us, uh, four straight. So, uh, they kind of got the revenge on us. How does life change for you after that? Well, you know, I, I think life changed after I hit the home run. 
Right. That was a game that everybody was watching. It was a Jewish holiday. Um, everybody was home. Um, everybody remembers today. I get the Red Sox fans, you know, they say, oh, I hate you. The Yankee fans go, I remember that. We love you. You know, we were home from football practice or we skipped school. Everybody kind of re- knew that. And after it was all over with, you know, um, one of my dearest friends called me on the phone and said, you know, he said, let me say something. That home run is going to change your life. I didn't know what he meant. I said, really? And he goes, it's going to change your life. And it did because, you know, it was – I always say sports is a game of moments. And that moment was a big one in history. And people remember it because of Yankee Red Sox. Yeah, it was Bucky F and Dent. Yep. I'll tell you how my uh, – and and – Obviously, you and my brother Aaron have something in common. Absolutely, two of the biggest home runs in the history of, of uh, you know, and, and it's Aaron F and Boone now. But I, I always knew where it started. It, it started with Bucky F and Dent, and now it's Aaron F and Boone. I was in the booth uh, when Aaron hit the home run. I, they MLB was trying a new third man in the booth. It's two thousand three. I just finished with my Mariners and uh, you know, we have a great year, but we don't make the playoffs. So Fox calls me and wants me to do the, I, I don't want to do it, but they convince me, they pay me enough that, all right, I'll get to watch my brother play in the playoffs. He's having a terrible series. And I remember talking to him about it before that game. Cause he was so worried about how, you know, and I'm trying to give him the big brother, you know, Hey, I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what it's like when you suck, you know, he does it in a pinch hit roll. And that's all I thought about. I remember being in the booth, Wakefield's on the mound, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, he can't hit the conventional hitter pitchers right now. Maybe this wiffle ball game with the, with the knuckleball doing so good, he hits the home run. And I remember just kind of being overwhelmed. I thought about your homer, and everybody knew about that homer. I said, that, it's exactly what I thought. That's going to change Aaron's life right there. Mm-hmm. A kid that just got over, he was a deadline trade, uh, was having a rough series, just hit one of the biggest homers in the history of the game and and how cool it was and how my life changes. People started telling me, oh, you're Aaron Boone's brother. And Aaron was always my brother until that point. Right. But it was really cool, uh, you know, being there for a, for a sibling. And I was so happy for him because – not too many of you guys out there have those moments. Like you said, it was history. It was defining in the history of sports. Uh, there's a, there's a handful of you in sports throughout the, all the, all the major sports that have, that have had a moment that big. And it was pretty cool. It was oh, pretty yeah. cool. To I, was watch. watching, I was watching that game, you know, and it was kind of funny when it went into extra innings. I said, you know, I said, uh, somebody with a B's got to hit a home run to keep the B's going, you know, babe, Bucky, and, you know, Bernie, some, somebody. And then I didn't get out of my mouth and, you know, your brother hit the home run and it was, you know, um, in the stadium, I, I still remember it was like electric, you know, when, when, when he hit the home run. And that's the thing about Yankee stadium was the, you know, playing there, the, the crowds were always electric and, you know, the first world series and game six, when Reggie hit the three home runs, it, it felt like the stadium was just going to fall down because it was so electric. 
I tell people that to this day. When yeah, I'm sure you're asked all the time, what are your summer favorite venues? Always for me, old Yankee Stadium. I remember going into the new stadium for the first time. I've never played in the new stadium, but I was there to just watch a game. And some of the old, some of the guys that were working there when I was still playing, they're still working there, you know, in the tunnels. And and I'd say a couple, see a couple of old old friends and say, what do you think? Just give me one answer old or new they just kind of both rolled you know they rolled their eyes like are you kidding me is that even a question the old stadium uh there was something special about that i I played some big games and in old yankee stadium i never came out on top some disappointing big games but when you went out to that line to get loose before the game something about old yankee stadium you knew you were somewhere special oh yeah i missed the old and i got called up in 73 and they had just come off a trip from New York and Boston. So when I joined the club, you know, we went to Milwaukee. So I missed the Owen because, and then when I got, you know, the next year we played in Shea stadium for two years, 74, 75. And then we went to, you know, to the the stadium that got refurbished in, in 76. But that was the first time that I had got to play in, in, in Yankee stadium. And it was just great memories, but playing there, um, you know, uh, it, it's totally different ballpark than the one now. I mean, you know, the dimensions were huge. You hit a ball in left center field in the old Yankee stadium, you're out. I mean, unless you just absolutely crush it. And, uh, you know, I remember we we're playing, uh, uh, New York in 96 when we won the, uh, division and we went to New York to play and I'm sitting there, Dean Palmer had just hit a home run kind of like almost, uh, straightaway center, but they had moved the fences in then. And right. so I was joking with Dino because I could get on him and he was a tough guy, you know, and he sat down next to me. I looked at him. I go, Dino, did you get all that ball? Because Bernie Williams jumped up, you know, and just missed it and went over. And he and he goes, yeah. I go, you see that wall behind the one that you just hit that home run on? I said, that's where you used to have to hit it when I played there. And he kind of looked at me and he kind of like went, oh, you know, like, but I said, yeah. That, that's how far you had to hit it when I play here. But, uh, you know, the, the stadium was just electric. I love the old stadium. I'll talk a little bit more about that Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. I, I watched it as a player in the late 90s when the Yankees were winning all the championships, early 2000s. It seems like every Monday night baseball was Yankees-Red Sox. That's all it was. Heated, big time. I never got the teams I played for. I played for the Reds and and the Braves and the – Seattle Mariners, we kind of tried to like force a rivalry with somebody, you know, but it never, I thought it never really took. Uh, and I'd look at, you know, maybe a, maybe a Dodger San Francisco Giants. They got a pretty big rivalry in the National League, but nothing to me like Yankee, uh, Yankee Red Sox. Um, broke the curse in 2004. <clears throat> When they when they came back down three to the Yankees, they ended up winning the World Series. And finally, it wasn't. But to this day, and I talk to people, you know, oh, we hate your brother, you know, Boston. Yeah. But do you really hate him? Or are you just a fan that likes to say that because you're talking to me? I think before 2004, especially when people did you feel when you went to Boston that you were really hated or was it kind of a. I don't know, almost a, a, a way of flattery because you hit such a big home run. Well, I think at the beginning it was it was like, I hate you, you know, you know, they, I mean, but then as the years went on, it became more of a love, hate, respect type thing, you know, and 
that's when you, you know, you start hearing all the stories, you know, you broke, broke my childhood life. You know, I threw my window out the TV, you know, or TV out the window and, you know, but you know, it, the first couple of years, you know, yeah, I could probably say, you know, that, uh, uh, I wasn't very welcome there, but you know, then as time went on, it kind of wore, and then of course, 2004, you know, when they, they won, it kind of, you know, took a little bit of the edge off. If you go to Boston to this day and they find out oh, Bucky Dent's in the in the restaurant, how are you treated? <laughs> Pretty good. They actually, yeah. Uh, my wife and I went back there a few years ago to do a story on the 25th anniversary of or 30th one of those anniversaries, and um, actually they were very very kind. They were very good. Uh, uh, you know, the ownership. Uh, we, we we they were doing a story for Yankee Magazine, so. They let us down on the field. We went out to the monster. We sat on the monster, and and they were they were very, very kind, very very respectful. Uh, to this day, you you keep up with the Yankees? Oh yeah, well I go to New York. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, my wife and I are leaving to go there tomorrow. You know, we still do. I still do a lot of corporate stuff with them, uh, and uh, we go back up. Usually, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a year and uh catch and play and stuff like that we uh actually was interesting is last year we went back to boston and mike torres went back with us um and mike and i become really good friends over the years you know we've uh we do a lot of stuff together and uh yeah you're kind of you're kind of bonded yeah we're kind of like uh bobby thompson ralph branca and uh so we went back last year and it was the first time that he had been back in like 40 something years since he left and um, it was interesting to see his reaction and stuff like that. They'd never invited him back for anything. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, you're part of Red Sox history too, you know? Um, but it was kind of interesting to see how, you know, he took it all in, you know, being back for the first time after that long. And, uh, um, but Mike, I, 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 I love Mike. He's, you know, he was a great pitcher for us in 77, you know, he, he was on the mound in game six when we won the final game uh, after Reggie hit the three home runs. Great pitcher, tremendous competitor, and, um, you know, we still do a lot of stuff together as, as friends. Yeah, and you mentioned New York. New York still does a great job. I think every franchise should take on the model uh, of a Yankee type or a St. Louis Cardinals. The Phillies do a really nice job with – having you guys back, having the, having the alumni come and, and be a big part of the organization. I just think it's so important, you know, to, to be able to bring a father, son, grandpa and come and, and, and have the grandpa goes, kid, see that guy down there. When I, when I was a kid growing up, what he did. And then you've got the current Aaron judge for the kid today. That's his hero. You know, I, I just, I think they such a nice job and, and I think everybody should do that. It's, there's nothing I can think better for the game than, than, than having the players that that are a big part of each franchise's history uh, really stay active within the organization. So, old timers is that great event for the Yankees. You know, right. it's always great to go back to old timers. I remember when I played there. You know, the old timers would come back, and it would be Roger Maris and Mantle and Gare or uh, you know DiMaggio and and all those guys and it was so fun to talk to them you know because we followed them as kids um and you know i just you know like when we go back for old timers sometimes i don't know if the kids really know who we are you know as right. players they know 
some of us, but I don't know if they know all the history like when we followed them when we were kids, you know, when we followed all the the great players, you know, you knew who they were. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, like back when I played in making my first All-Star game, you know, going to Milwaukee to play in my first All-Star game, you know, I'm playing against, you know, Hank Aaron and all these great stars from the National League that you really don't play against unless you play in the in the playoffs or the World Series against them or you play against them in spring training. Not all of them play in spring training. But, you know, that was a, that was like a mystique back then, you know, and I thought it was something really, really special. And the All-Star game was was really neat, you know, to play in because you're playing against the best in the National League and the best in the American League. And it was really you always wanted to win. Of course, I never won one. We lost all three when I played, but it was still that mystique, you know, that that was that was really neat. And I look at it too back back when you played, that All Star game was a big deal. I mean, it wasn't just mail it in; it's an exhibition here. Mm-hmm. It was we want to kick your ass, mm-hmm. and uh, and you play. You know, but I do understand the modern day uh, with the finances out there. I understand it's an exhibition put on. But believe me, when asked about, you know, when I my all-star games I went to, I said, yes, I went into it with, of course, I want to win. Of course, I want to do well. As players, we, we're we wired that way. It's like we if we're going to play a wiffle ball game, we want to get three hits in the wiffle ball game. That's just mm-hmm. the competitive, uh, the competitor in us. But I, I'll have to admit, in my day, it wasn't the absolute premium. It was getting through, giving the fans a good show. Hopefully, we win the game, and I got to get it back to my team and, and give them the best second half I can give them. But from a fan standpoint, I like that's why I liked your generation because, yeah. man, dad's going to the All Star game, and we got to win tonight. And it was serious. They oh, were not yeah. messing around. It wasn't, you know, a tip of the cap and hey, it was no, we're here to win. It was. It. It, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the game was a little bit tougher back back when we played. You know, I mean, you know, breaking up, you know, guys coming down, break up double plays. They try to kill you. You know, I mean, you had to really learn how to get the heck out of the way. You know, so Without a doubt. it was a it was a little bit of a tougher game. You know, you know, I always tell people. You know, they always say, "Who are the guys that you were, you know knew?" I said, "Reggie Jackson, I knew, Don Baylor, you know, Kirk uh, Gibson. You know, you could." You yeah, know, Gibby will come when, get you. When they're on first base, they were coming down there to get you, you know, to take you out. So it was a little bit different. And when I'm asked that question, I, th- that's the one thing, because I kind of ebb and flow. I understand life goes on, generations go on. There's going to be changes, some for yes. the good, some that, that I don't necessarily love. But that's the one rule that kind of gets me. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you take away – the way the game's been, you have to slide directly into the bag. That's the way us as second basemen, that's how we separate ourselves. That's how you separate good from great, from mm-hmm. from a regular player to, to a gold glove pot- uh, type of player. It's like the routine ground ball for us at second, not that big of a deal. It's that when that game's on the line, that runner's barreling in on us, and we got to turn that big double play. Mm-hmm. That's what separates a great second baseman from a good second baseman. Nowadays, with this rule and why it bothers me so much, a left fielder could come in and turn a double play. Mm-hmm. When you know you got to stand on the base, they can't hurt you. They can't flip you. It's not a big deal. So that's one of the rules I wish was never changed because I think it added such a dynamic and especially to our position. 
Well, you know, the teaching aspect, you know, you had to learn how to get out of the way. You had to learn how to get your feet off the ground. You had to learn, you know, who was on, who was over there going to come down hard on you, was going to try and roll block you. I couldn't stand people rolling at me, but I could slide all at one, hard at me, but I didn't like people rolling. But, you know, you had to teach. And, you know, as a teacher, you know, when I was, a, you know, a coach, you know, you had to learn how to teach guys to get out of the way and you know protect themselves around the bag and stuff and those are just a little bit of lost art i think you know because the game has changed you know it's funny too you talk about teaching because yeah you teach it it's always a left foot touch it's boom you got to get up in the air people i used to i worked for oakland for a couple years in the minor leagues really enjoyed working with young players and we'd have a day uh where we'd go out and we work on our tags and I would teach him how to tag and how I used to do it. Sell it. It's the illusion that you tagged him. I don't want to keep my glove in there and take spikes to the glove. It's mm-hmm. like, nope, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to show it to the umpire. And as long as I get that glove down and it beats the runner, he's out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all changed now, too. You physically have to touch him. And, uh, you know, I, I think that adds a little bit of uh, a risk for injury, actually, that you have to physically lay it on him. But that's the way it is. But th- now when you go, how are you going to teach a guy how to tag now? <laughs> it's like, you can't just you can't teach him to sell it. It's like, well, catch it, get it down there and, and just hold it until you feel that guy's cleat run into you. But it's a, yeah. it's definitely a different different animal. And, and uh, like I said, some of the some of the changes are welcome and it's part of moving on and and life developing. And some of them are it's like I kind of just kind of shake my head and go, I wish they wouldn't have changed that. But. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I totally agree. Well, Bucky Dent, three-time All-Star, uh, two-time World Series champion. I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun catching up with the Boom Podcast. And uh, thank you very much. And for all of you out there listening to the Boom Podcast, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.